Hello and welcome to 21st Century Vitalism. As always, I'm your host, Brett Kane. at least the last time I checked. You're tuning in to episode 10. Wow, 10 episodes. Um, yeah, it's been a long but short process. We have over 10 hours of content. Woo, go us. I'm really excited about it. I'm really happy with how these things turned out. But I can assure you that I haven't even gotten started yet. Um, this has been a pretty good ride for me. It's been really reaffirming of what I want to do with this platform, this project, and how I want to go forward. Um, I'm really still just learning the tools of the trade, learning the marketing, learning all the things. Uh, and I anticipate that at least six months of learning will be ahead of me of deep learning and constant correction. And um, But thank you so much, dear listener, for joining me on the 10th episode. And if you've been a consistent listener, thank you so much for investing your energy and your awareness into this project. It really does mean a lot to me. I have a lot of intentions going forward with what I want to do with this. And I'm really excited to keep exploring and um, really diving deep into what it means to be alive in this current century. There's so many different avenues that we can tackle, and I feel like we've done a really good job so far. I mean, if I say so myself. Um, and as a quick recap, I was, I was thinking about doing a completely separate mini episode, but um, for those of you just tuning in, we've talked about how to get into the flow state if you're not used to having it, cultivating that within yourself. We've talked about Ayurveda and special diets that help you really tap into deeper layers of embodiment. We've looked at trauma and how that settles in the body and actually obscures us from connecting more fully with the world. We've looked at the endocrine system and the endocannabinoid system with uh, one of my friends, David, on episode four. We've looked at how to make it as an artist in this current day and age with my friend Randy for episode five. We've explored astrology. We've looked at corrective fitness and how to actually utilize that to step into deeper layers of embodiment. Uh, we've talked about poetry and using that as a means to process your emotions. We've looked at the life of a musician living in COVID and how to balance spiritual energy, dark work, and infuse it within your music. Um, Ah oh, man, I'm probably forgetting one. I'm sorry, whoever's out there. But we have a lot to cover. We have a lot to keep going. Um, so with this week, I really am thankful and am excited to share this conversation that I had with my good friend Gordy Morton of the Gallery Society. Uh, for those of you who are uninitiated, the Gallery Society is an art collective based out of the Metro Detroit area in Michigan. And what he has done with his business is create an epicenter of culture and collaboration and creativity and really helped unite a lot of really interesting minds and hearts and has really created just a really beautiful platform that inspires me every time I see one of his posts. Um, we get into the nitty gritty of what he exactly plans to do with this platform that now already has so many eyes and ears looking out for it and we talk about the importance of collaboration and community and a big part of this episode is community building um i have gordy to thank for so much in my life just from the events that he's created in the past for those of you who may have remembered the tree love collective days uh, which was a cmu art collective that we we talk about pretty extensively in this episode this was a lot of fun for me. I'm going to be honest. Me and Gordy have been friends for a while now. And, um, you know, I've always thought he was a really cool cat and had a lot to bring to the table. And I'm just really thankful that I was able to cultivate this container for him to be able to explore speaking and um, 
you know, representing his brand through a more vocal medium. Uh, it's a new thing for him. And I mean, it's a new thing for me and everybody, but it, it was really cool. And I think we get a lot of really juicy insights into what it means to host community and how to set up a production event company. And there's just so much here. And if you're interested, if you're listening to this, you're an entrepreneur, you want to start throwing events post COVID and you're just kind of unsure as where to start, if you have the right intentions, give this episode a listen. I think there's a lot here, especially also if you're a digital entrepreneur and you're looking for branding um, tips and stuff, like I'm saying, like check out the Gallery Society, look at the way that everything is structured in my eyes. And I think this is ratified by uh, working with it is like, he's got a very successful and wonderful holistic brand and I just think everybody could use some uh just some of that you know soak some of that in um but yeah I just want to keep reiterating thank you so much for listening I'm really excited the next 10 episodes are planned out um and they're going to be touching up on the same themes um but deeper so we're going to be looking at uh, fitness uh, we're gonna be looking at flow states looking at yoga spirituality meditation we have food sciences sexuality relationships community building social activism um, yeah we have a lot coming up and all of it is under the umbrella of vitality because everything that i'm giving a platform to on this show i truly believe in cultivating at least an awareness of it will help you become a more balanced and well-rounded person especially while dealing with the stressors of the 21st century and that's what we're here to do we're here to take ancient wisdom and make it contemporary and we're here to take contemporary wisdom and tie it in with the ancient we're here to embody deeper and to show up more fully with our communities um, so you'll see um, specifically next week, and there's another one in the next 10 episodes that are very community focused. And some of these topics may be a little difficult to swallow, but they are important conversations. And I will stand by the integrity of listening to the people who have difficult stories, because I think the more that we listen, the more that we perceive and the more we can be compassionate for. So um, this episode, though, is is light. And in, in my eyes, I really enjoyed it. I think uh, it really uh, shows, you know, that I, I've, I've grown from episode one to episode 10. I've already seen so much within myself change, and this project has already influenced me on a pretty deep level. But without further ado, I don't want to take up too much of your time before we get into this wonderful conversation. So, yeah, without further ado, please welcome to 21st Century Vitalism, Gordy Morton of the Gallery Society. All right, Gordy Morton. Hello and welcome to the show, friend. How are you doing today? Hello, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I actually just got back home. I've been in quarantine for a week. One of the roommates had COVID, so I luckily had, uh, had asylum and went and hung out up north for a little bit and just landed. Uh, yeah, my, uh, my fiance's grandpa also just got the covid dang so is it hit- we are hoping that what was that is it hitting him hard or how's he doing well he just got it um i guess he was up north when he got it when he started feeling sick but he wasn't with anybody he was at his cabin um he's doing okay right now we're just hoping that that continues yeah well 
I'll be having it in my thoughts. My mom also had it too, and she's fine, but it's just sweeping through right now. It is craziness. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up your fiance because I actually wanted to start this off by congratulating you. Uh, recently getting uh, engaged. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's one of my one of the first times I've said it out loud. Nice. How'd it feel? Just like that's my fiance. Yeah. You, know? you had confidence with Feels it. Feels great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I thought about it. Um, you know, a couple times, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's it's awesome. It feels great. We had a great trip up north uh, to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and uh, we were camping, and it was great. It snowed oh, <laughs> actually a little shoot. bit. Yeah, but it's funny because we were still having such a great time. We've been you know locked up for so long because of quarantine. It just felt good to be outside. Yeah, I'm sure. And then towards the end of the uh, vacation, I asked her, asked her to marry me. Oh, that's so awesome! It's cool standing where I'm at because like I've known you guys for seven years now, which is absolutely insane. Now that I say that out loud, and, it's been so long. Yeah, and there's like it wasn't a doubt in my mind that you guys were gonna be like you always were the power couple, mm-hmm. you know. So the fact that it's like fully solidified, I'm like oh, wait, you guys haven't been engaged that long? Like, I feel like the past four years you guys have been at that level, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've been dating for so long, and uh, I think it was clear in our own minds for so long that that's the level that we were at. It was just a matter of everything else aligning and uh, us being at a good point in our lives, although I realize that, you know, there's never really that best point because uh, everything is always, you know, up in the air when it comes to. At first, I was waiting until we were both done with school, you know. But now she's going back for her master's degree. Yeah, she is an insanely amazing person, and I, she's going back to school for her master's degree. And I wasn't gonna wait another four years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of an auspicious time, like this year, because I mean that's all social media is about is like, yo, fuck 2020. But like, there's those like shining lights that have came out of it so far that, you know, it's kind of cool that you guys were able to do that, you know, in this super uncertain time. Definitely. Uh, I mean, like I said, I've known for a long time, but 2020 uh, definitely made me appreciate even more, you know, having somebody, uh, a partner there with you. Yeah. And uh, being able to just share life with somebody in that way. Uh, I can only imagine um, what it would be like going through something like this pandemic alone. Yeah, yeah. I have Even some, uh, roommates, you know what I mean? Yeah. Probably help a lot. Yeah. Unless they get COVID, then it gets a little tricky to navigate, but truly... And they, then you have to quarantine for a little while. Yeah. There's kind of like a fun aspect to that, though, because it's like you and your roommates are all like, okay, I guess if one of us gets it, we might as well act as if we all get it, even if we don't have it. But then we can just quarantine up, watch a bunch of movies, make a bunch of food. It really is essential to have community in these times. I agree. And speaking of these times, like how how has that affected um, for my listeners who are unaware of what you do and who you are? um, You run and operate the Gallery Society, which is an art collective out of the Metro Detroit area. Um, You guys do a lot of events. You do graphic design work, logos. um, You have a lot of offerings. And how has that like shifted during the pandemic? Yeah, well. 
we're not as we're not affected in some ways as much as other people, but we're still definitely affected. Uh, like for example, I work from home, uh, and so I didn't have to deal with going into work and worrying about exposing other people or getting exposed, or I didn't have to worry about um, losing my job. Uh, because so many uh, people lost their job because so many places had to shut down. Um, but with that being said, you know, sales are down because not as many people have extra spending money. Um, we, at the Gallery Society, we do kind of, like you said, so many different things. Um, at heart, building community is the most important. And we do that a lot through hosting events because uh, the events are, are really what bring people together. Uh, and we're, we can't host any events during this time because of, uh, we don't you know, want to endanger anybody and because of the restrictions. So it's been different, but we're adapting and looking forward, uh, hoping for a bright future. Yeah. And I think if anything, this is kind of like the the pulling of the bowstring back to kind of shoot you forward, you know, like we have this moment of respite where you can kind of like lay your intentions down into like really establish like, who are you and what are you trying to bring to the world? And I, I think it's cool that you brought up the aspect of community because that's kind of one of the big reasons I'm having you on the show is because you've always been such a clear point of channeled community. Like wherever you go, there's a lot of culture, there's a lot of community. And I always had the sense since I met you um, back in the tree love days that you're you're a doer, you're a shaker, you're a mover. And where did that where did that come from? How did community become such a strong part of everything you do? Hmm. I thought about this a little bit. I think it stems, you know, I think it stems from way back when, even in my high school days, where. You know, high school wasn't always the best for everybody. Um, I had friends in so many different friend groups, but I never really had a solid group of friends, like a solid community, you know, that I really felt a part of. And then when I went to college, and uh, thanks to my roommate, Russell Tandy, he took me to my first music festival, which was Electric Forest. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and so that was, I considered festivals like that more like amusement park festivals. Um, and that was awesome, kind of blew my mind. I didn't even know something like that existed at that point. What year and did then, you go uh, to? Or what was the first that year? That was 2012. Okay, cool. That was, yeah, that was my... Uh, freshman year of college, yeah. Huh. And... So, and then right after that, we went, the next year, we went to Rootwire 2013. And that was a very intentional festival uh, led by Papadozio. And I felt this sense of connection and belonging. And uh, it just sparked something inside of me. And I knew that I wanted to help spread that feeling to other people. And so, yeah, you know, I, I went home and we really started involving ourselves more in the music and art community locally. 
and uh, we started up this group called Tree Love Collective, which is where I met you. And we started hosting events in our hometown that reflected what we experienced at RootWire. And I think maybe it had just something to do with finally finding that connection uh, and that community feeling. It made me realize that there are so many people out there that probably haven't found that uh, that connection yet. Yeah. And it just felt right to help facilitate that. Yeah. In a way. And it's interesting. However, I could. <laughs> I think you did a well enough job, you know. Um, I mean, I honestly have you to thank for literally the entire living situation that I have in Grand Rapids right now. It was through your events that literally everyone that I call a close friend, it's like I met them through your events, you know, and that it's... Well, that makes me so happy. Like, I, it's really no joke. And it's interesting that, like, the seed for that inspiration was RootWire because that was also... RootWire 2013 was a massive upgrade for my sense of self and it really set me on like the path that I'm on now and it's like everyone that that festival touched seemed to take away something very powerful and whether or not the festival kept going which it didn't we had it was going it's going in our hearts still to this day and oh my god <laughs> you know like it's a very amazing community of people you know some people look at the the music festival world and think it's just partying and craziness but there really is this underbelly community of very like accepting and loving and caring people that truly look out for each other and consider each other a family yeah and that's a very powerful thing yeah and i feel like we do have a lot to thank for like papadocio which i mean it's crazy that you've like Definitely. now you have, you have an established relationship with them now you've worked with them on merch and you know, like, which is so crazy. Yeah. I'm, Full circle. I'm sure kind of. that you probably didn't expect something like that to happen, you know? So I didn't expect it to happen, but I always, you know, kind of knew that it was possible. Yeah. Because I saw it happening in front of me. And I was like, well, you know, if they're working with them, why can't I one day? Yeah. You just have to work hard and dedicate yourself. And I think that that's one of the most important things is that you have to see something as possible for you to take the right steps to be able to actualize it, you know, so that that openness is super crucial to manifesting what you want in life. Totally. So you you had experiences. And I, I met you at Earth Night very, very briefly, and it was more through Tree Love, but that was when we made our, our original connection, which Earth Night was an offshoot of Rootwire in the winter. Um, what was it like to start up Tree Love? Because like, it really was a very auspicious time and set of events that connected powerful people together that I still talk to to this day. Like, what was that process like? When did you know? Oh, I need to do this at home. And I, like, how did you know what energy to cultivate? Like, what was the process? Well, we were, like I said, inspired by. Um, Rootwire and that feeling, but at the same time, um, one of our good friends, Jake James, uh, who owns a company called Further Frequencies, him and his friend Tom Booth were hosting shows in East Lansing. Uh, 
kind of similar shows, maybe a less art forward, but booking the same musicians that were a part of the community that we wanted to cultivate as well. And so seeing them do it themselves kind of gave us, you know, the inspiration uh, to do it and gave us the, um, the courage to really, you know, put ourselves out there and try it for ourselves. And I had, it was me and Russell Tandy at first. And uh, a lot of our friends were also musicians and we were uh, both pursuing art degrees. So we were constantly around creative people. And so we started hosting a couple of shows. Um, They were very small at first, but uh, we quickly saw that it was something that people wanted uh, especially in a town where there was no other live music being hosted anywhere else. And it was uh, mostly just go out, drink, and go home. There was no culture or entertainment. So as soon as we noticed that and we started noticing that, you know, people really, really appreciated what we were doing, it really gave us the confidence to continue with it. And I don't really know how it happened. It's 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 really just a, a lot of amazing people um, started coming to the events and wanted to be involved one way or another. And we really were just the back of house organizers, and it was everyone else that you know came and just were genuinely themselves that I think made it what it was. Yeah. I thought it was also fascinating to be in uh, Mount Pleasant, you know, like CMU, Central Michigan University, which is typically associated with that kind of go out, drink, and then come back kind of culture where it's just like the surface level partying. We're not really like appreciating arts or live music. And you like anchored this vibe that you experienced down in Ohio from Rootwire. And to me, like that was just really impressive to find a foothold in that specific town. And it was so close to where I was living. It was like dang like the power and i know you don't attribute this primarily to yourself and you probably shouldn't but like everybody coming together you know you guys really opened up a liminal space that you then transformed into music festivals so you ended up doing a head change followed by branch out um and these were entirely under your your say right well um head change at first was uh the idea of um, a partner, Dave, Davey. Uh, and he brought the idea, we had first attended that festival and it was a very much a homegrown uh, grassroots festival, very small event, um, but we really wanted to help build and help it grow and help build it up. And so the following year, uh, we helped produce that event as co-producers and uh, it was basically like me, Russell Tandy, Nate Purchase, Jake Hesslinga, um, Davey, and a couple other people that were very instrumental in making that festival happen. Um, and in the following year, uh, we decided that we really wanted to kind of take it, take on the venture ourselves, you know. And so, our core Tree Love Collective group then went on to host Branch Out Camp Out which I think was one of the best experiences of my life. And uh, I learned so much from that. 
Uh, it was also a whirl, uh, a crazy whirlwind of craziness. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I remember showing up like the day before it opened and just like everybody's just scattering. Like we got to still put up the fences. Like everybody's just oh, man. not sleeping, <laughs> which is it's like you see what you want it to be and you see it happening when you go to other events, but you don't quite realize all of the work and uh, people power that it takes to actually make it happen. Yeah. Um, but like I said, it was a huge learning experience. And although it was so much hard work, I think that it ended up being a, a great event and very successful in the eyes of many people. Yeah. Uh, only because I've heard so many people tell me how much fun they had at that event and how wholesome they, it felt, they felt it was. And um, it just makes me happy because I know how much hard work went into it. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a labor of love, and that was actually the event that I met uh, my Grand Rapids community before I moved out here. I was like, had the plan to come out here, didn't know anybody, and I met our mutual friend Alex Beecroft, and he was just like, "Oh, you're coming out? You need awesome. a community?" I'm like, "Yeah, Ooh. I do." <laughs> and <laughs> hey, it was really the door for me that got me established in doing everything I'm doing. You know, that specific event. Um, so, what are other people, I, I think like more people should be taking on these things and creating containers and communities. And I would say that you've done a really successful job. Like everything that you touch ends up having like this seal of quality that I, at least I'm perceiving. That's always been my association of your work. What would you say to the people who want to like also create communities and like run events like this? Like there's a lot of work behind it, but like what are some things to look out for and tips that you would maybe give younger entrepreneurs who want to get into that? I guess, like you said, um, everything that we have done has been a labor of love. So I guess I would say, you know, really make sure you know why you're doing it. Do, are you, do you want to get involved and host these events because you want to build a community or because you want to make money? Um, you know, both are okay, but you can't, you have to dif differentiate between the two. Um, the thing that was really special about the gallery society, I mean, Tree Love Collective, I'm sorry, we're going back into the yeah. past here. <laughs> the thing that was very special about uh, Tree Love Collective was that it was, it was a labor of love. And to be honest, we didn't really make that much money off of it. Um, and so we had, hmm, I don't know, sorry, it's a tough question. Yeah, yeah. I kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. No, that's okay. Yeah, just um, can you help me out? Yeah, just uh, like tips for uh, other young entrepreneurs who want to create communities like this. Like, what would they be able to look out for, or things that they could do in advance that would help protect them from, you know, falling short. So, like I said before, make sure you know that you're in it for the right reason. Um, you have to really care about the community and care about its growth and care about the people that are coming uh, to the community. And uh, sorry, man, I mean, I'm derailing. My, my train of thought is derailing. That's right okay. Now. Yeah, that happens. I've, sometimes I have problems with that. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, um, I guess let me narrow it down. Has there ever been like, and you don't have to like get into details, but has there ever been moments, because I feel like this is something that happens to a lot of these communities where there's like 
a, a fork in the road where it's kind of like the integrity of the community and the intention of it kind of meets this like, okay, so now there's like financial constraints and there's like this this talk and this energy of like, oh, we got to like really make this bottom line. Like, how are you able to navigate maintaining the integrity while also meeting the, the practical bottom line, so to speak? That's a tough question too, yeah, because uh, <laughs> no, because we, we didn't often meet the bottom line. Hmm. Um, like we, like in, in the end with uh, tree love, we ended up losing money yeah. when it came down to it. Um, and we are in a very, um, we are in a very good position because we are on, on a college campus surrounded by so many creative people that, uh, wanted to be a part of this community um and so right now as we're growing um and we're realizing and, and uh, we're realizing that you know meeting the bottom line and making money is a vital part of any kind of company or brand because if we're going to be spending all of our time you know pouring our hearts into cultivating these communities then we have to be able to sustain ourselves and and sustain everybody that's helping you know put an effort to work for this brand or community yeah um so that's it's it's a difficult it's a difficult balance yeah and i'm sure everyone's probably going to have their own experience as they start this journey to like kind of figure out because there's definitely going to be hard calls you know and i also think that's kind of a part of the gift of the community organizer in a matter of like, it's calling things out of you that you have to kind of like show up for. Like, do you want this to be sustainable? Then you have to rework the way you think about money. And it's not out of like, I need to make money. It's more of a matter of like, I love this thing. So I'm going to change my relationship to it so that I can continue feeding it, you know? Yeah. I also think there are opportunities out there for people who may, you know, have a steady job in a field that allows them extra free time um and maybe in this extra free time they want to try to you know build a, this community or cultivate you know a community um that people in those positions i think are in a very great position because they don't necessarily have to worry about the financial struggles of you know let's say they're the way that we cultivated these communities are by hosting events because that is something that brings like-minded individuals together. It allows them a space to converse and, you know, get to know one another. Um, thus building, you know, a community of people that really know each other. And, you know, when you're doing that, you have to, you know, pay the artists that are coming in. You have to pay the venue their fee that, you discussed you have to pay the performers like the artistic flow performers if you book some of those and etc and you know if you don't necessarily have to worry about turning a huge profit because you know you have a job that allows you a comfortable life that allows you to host these on the side then those are really the opportunities where you can it, it, you can really turn them in um, to uh, you know a project from the heart. You know that's kind of how that's the position that we are in uh, back with 
Tree Love Collective. And I wish that were still the case now, but, you know, I, I chose to pursue this full time as a career when it comes to event planning, working with artists, merchandising, my graphic design, um, et cetera. So I, uh, I do have to worry about turning a profit on certain things. And so now it's, I'm really trying to balance that because, you know, my heart is still in the community and is still in helping people and working with artists. So we're really trying to figure out a way um, to where everybody wins yeah. to where, you know, we can, you know, create enough profit to sustain and grow our business. But at the same time, we don't um, sacrifice any of that communal aspect of it. Yeah. Which is a learning process. Right. Yeah. It almost seemed at least from where I'm standing, like watching your career develop and grow and prosper where it is now. It's like tree love was kind of like a boat crossing a river, you know, and like, it might not have been like the strongest boat, but it got us across that really crucial river. And now you're in this position where like, you're, you're working with the people that have inspired you. You're like providing all these opportunities and helping out. I know a bunch of my friends who have your logo work, you know, and you've, you've found like just the right way to navigate it to where you are. You're, it seems to me that you're, you're honoring where you came from, but you're also like moving towards a new horizon that's kind of informed from where you came from. So do you think that, I mean, obviously it's probably obvious that tree love has influenced the way you operate the gallery society. Definitely. Um, I think that tree love influenced me as a person in general. It really gave me confidence uh, in, in that, you know, if I have a goal, I can, I can, you know, I can achieve it if I work hard enough and, um, and I have the right intentions, you know, and I'm a good person. And so truly diving into, you know, one of those projects from the heart, and seeing so many people come to me saying how it affected them and changed their life, it just, it really gave me the confidence that I can continue. And when Tree Love ended, um, which was basically just, you know, a lot of people that were helping out graduated college and went in separate directions. And uh, it was just time to take on uh, other projects but doing that just really gave me the confidence to pursue these new projects like the gallery society, mm. um, which still has the same core intentions as tree love, you know, building community, you know, helping out local artists and musicians and just really trying to provide that feeling of, you know, teamwork and, you know, you can do this if we all work together. Um, yeah, it's it's been it's been quite the journey. <laughs> yeah. So, what was the process of figuring out what the Gallery Society is? Like is this kind of a image that you've always had in your heart or is this something that you had to kind of like sit and kind of like rub your chin and like what I, like I have all these skills, I have all these connections, like wh how do I put them all together? Did you always know or um are you still at at this point like kind of going off the cusp? Well, uh, I have my graphic design background, uh, which is what I went to school for. And I've always taken graphic design, uh, freelance projects on the side. Um, and so I had those skills and, you know, we, we had all the experience with uh, 
tree love. And I, 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 once that ended, I kind of was at a loss for, you know, what to do with myself. Uh, like, you know, I need to promote my graphic design services to make money and cause that's my skill set and that's my trade. And I also wanted to use my time building community and helping people. And so the transition between that was after tree love was over, I created two separate brands. First, I branded um, my art, my own personal art, because when the gallery society ended, it was actually the first time that I ever made art for myself. Yeah. The gallery uh, society or tree love? Tree love. Sorry, Sorry I, I just that. wanted to, for the <laughs> listeners, they're like, wait, he started it and of stuff? Of course. <laughs> no, of course. Um, tree love back in college, uh, when, when I was putting all my effort towards that, I utilized my graphic design skills mostly for uh, creating advertisements for our events and promoting tree love. Um, and then once that was over, I had more free time and I started exploring graphic design uh, and creating art for art's sake. And which I had never done before. And I was really excited about that. It's funny because I, I now have since kind of stopped that, which I need to get back to. But um, so I created a brand for just my art and I created the Gallery Society. Um, but I drifted more towards just uh, maintaining the Gallery Society because I saw that being a more uh, viable venture for me and for everyone else around me and it allowed me the opportunity to collaborate with a lot more people and uh, help them out as well along the way um and so i how did the gallery society kind of form i looked at my skill sets and i wanted to try to utilize those in and in a way that would actually make the people that i'm working with money like if i hired an artist i wanted them to be paid and i wanted to help them you know make a sustainable living and so i was looking around and one of the ways that i saw this happening was through merchandise uh through various groups online people were turning their artwork into hat pins and stickers and stuff and i saw a huge market for it there were a lot of collectors out there um turning an artist who before may not have been recognized into a very popular, well-known artist because uh, they wanted to collect their art on merchandise. And so I kind of started experimenting with those. I made a couple of different things and kind of just turned into this whole merchandising company now. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing that I see a lot on your page. And every time I'm always like taken aback by just like the level of quality for all of your branding and like the merchandise itself. I mean, you have people, you have pins selling out. And like I see people who are like, yo, I'm like looking for this specific pin to complete the set. And like people are eating this up. And like they have been long before your specific brand, you know, like what is it about hat pins that draws people in so much? I, I do love them. I think it's it's cool as a collector. It's like a gym badge from Pokemon. But like, what is this whole thing about for the people who like aren't involved? Is that kind of it? I think it is, you know, when it comes to the art pins, you get to own 
you know, although usually it's a much smaller replica, but a replica of this artist's artwork in such a high quality form. Um, and it's just, you know, being able to the collect a lot of them, I think, and display a lot of them in a small area helps as well because people also collect uh, posters. You know, people have been collecting posters for a very long time music posters and art prints but eventually your walls get covered in posters and you have nowhere to put you know all the new posters that you're buying but when it comes to pins you could have a pin board one pin board that's the size of one poster but you can fill it with so many different pieces of art and so i know that looking around my house every day it brings me joy you know looking at all of my favorite artists artwork spread out yeah it makes my day. If I had plain white walls, I would not enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to live there. Yeah. I need uh, that visual stimulation and, um, you know, and that joy that I get from looking at my friend's art. And pins allow you to do that in, you know, great numbers. Yeah. I've always liked the uh, conversational aspect of it. Like, it's kind of interesting. I just had this association that you wanted to originally with tree love, create that space that you felt at root wire. And I feel like pins are like the smallest node of that because it creates this container for two people to be like appreciative of that shared art. Like you're creating opportunities for people to interact. And it's just like, it's the most like microscopic form of that. And it's just like blows my mind, you know? And it's like, Oh wait, you know about Ben Ridgeway too? Like what? You know, like, <laughs> It's just such a cool experience, you know? And... Yeah, it is really a very caring and tight-knit, small commu little niche community, you know, that is mostly active on the internet Yeah. Uh, through various subgroups for all of these artists and uh, that, that the artist has made for their collectors. And, you know, there's a lot of people giving away pins for free, you know, trying to hook up people who are maybe looking for this very particular pin. And uh, so they, you know, spend extra money trying to hunt that pin down for them. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing to see all the different interactions and the, and the whole little sub community that they have built there. Uh, and it is pretty uh, ironic that that is the, you know, the main merchandise that we deal with right now because it is one that, you know, has this sub-community that we're so used to being a part of and contributing to. Yeah. Yeah, and you're helping out the artists by being that that beacon, you know? Because, I mean, I've heard about so many different artists through your your brand, you know? Like, Mr. Melty's one that comes to mind immediately. I didn't know about him before I started interacting with your stuff, you know? So, like, you're bringing all these other artists to people's awareness, too. So it's beyond just the pin, you know? It's like there's the community of the the pin chasers, but then there's, like, me who, like, I see work that you're posting as pins, and I'm like, I got to look into that artist's stuff, you know? So it, you've created this really wonderful platform for just all these different influences to interact and meld with the rest of your your social sphere, you know, which is impressive. Yeah. And, like, the thing with, uh, you know, the whole pin community is... <laughs> there's kind of two separate communities inside the one overall pin community. There's the one that has been around for forever, which is the music and band, like the band and DJ 
you know, related pins. Uh, that community of art has a lot of artists that, you know, make these pins for the, their favorite band or their favorite DJ and they go to the, to their shows and you'll see a lot of them selling them in the crowd and such. And then there's another community, which is a lot, which is a much newer community, which is uh, the art pen community, where you have artists making larger, higher quality, more expensive pens. Uh, and, and you see those um, artists creating their own subgroups to, you know, for their collectors to mingle and, and trade their the their pins and such and um so i saw these two separate communities and i really wanted to try to merge them in a way because i'm very involved with the music community and going to music festivals but i'm also very involved with the art community and uh, all of these very high quality artists um and so i tried to you know merge the two and 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 hire or commission these high quality artists to make some pins for the music community. And uh, which led me to awesome collaborations with bands like Papadozio and the artist Fig, uh, which is a really uh, well-known artist in the community. Um, and it's just been, it's just been great way. It's just, it's just been great. Yeah. <laughs> You've had uh, exclusive work with like Chris Dyer too, right? Yes. Um, that was something that was very important to me was to um, not only try to make fan-created merchandise for musicians, but also to work with these higher caliber artists as well as local artists. Um, so that way, you know, everybody can win. Um, if we if we end up working with these higher caliber artists like Chris Dyer, then, you know, somebody that's coming to our website maybe because they know who Chris Dyer is, now gets introduced to this these other local artists that we work with. Um, and uh, yeah, just working with artists is just very important to me. So it's, it's happy, it makes me happy to be able to support them with my work. Yeah, and it kind of like introduces, and this is like a loose analogy, but like considering the local artists, like the small fish and Chris Dyer, like the big fish, like you're putting them in the same pond. So when people are fishing for the big fish, then they're pulling the small one, like, Oh wow, that's actually, it's got a really cool rainbow, like aesthetic to it. And like, there's value in yeah. that, you know, you're like, yeah, level definitely. The playing field. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's important to, you know, we're all in this together, right? Yeah. Chris Dyer is very famous now, but he wasn't always very famous. You know, so I think it's just it's important to, you know, to be able to see that and to be able to help, you know, others grow. You know, yeah. I'm sure he would he would he appreciates all the help he got, you know, all the exposure and help that he's got growing up. And uh, people like him are usually very happy to pass that on. Yeah. That's what I honestly find like really fascinating about your platform. I'm going to reiterate, it's a big part of like why I immediately like I was thinking about my first 10 episodes and the framing of like what I wanted to highlight. And I was like, Gordy, because like community building is a part of living a embodied vital life. Like you need to be able to interact with people and also propped people up. And I think that like with your platform specifically, I actually really enjoy your art. I'm kind of sad that the the mon or the weekly mandalas have gone the way of the dodo because mm -hmm. I was really enjoying 
keeping up with those, but you're using your entire platform, everything, all the people you're connected with to support other people, you know? And I think that that's just like, and you're getting supported by doing that, you know? Like you could just be like pushing all your stuff out, which I still think would be pretty successful, but you know, like everything you're doing is like turned inside out and it just seems to be working out for you in a really unique way, you know? Yeah. You know, in the end, it, it's just really about, you know, what makes me feel good inside doing and what I'm proud of doing and doing work that helps other people along the way is to me just so much more powerful and meaningful than, um, you know, focusing on maybe just myself and, you know, not maybe maybe that's not the path for everybody. You know, the, you know, there's reasons for that too. I've always wanted to be a great artist. Like I've always wanted to be a good illustrator, um, and I've never really considered myself a good illustrator. I still don't to this day, and I still really wish I had those skills. And I think that artists that do have those skills are contributing in such a to this community in such a beautiful way because they're really pouring themselves out into those mediums. But for me, since I don't have those skills, I still want to be able to help, you know, contribute to this community however I can. And so working with those artists and, um, and, and aligning my work in a way that supports them as well is really my way of contributing that you know and so that's really why i kind of stopped promoting as much uh my own art brand because it was uh, a lot of work and just like promoting any brand or managing any brand is a lot of work and i really wanted to focus wholeheartedly into the gallery society hmm. your personal brand it was a geographic right yes okay. yes and I do got to say, like, I know you just said you don't think you're the strongest illustrator, but, like, those mandalas you were doing were actually, like, compositionally, like, really impressive. Like, the B one sticks out to me. The coloration on that, like, it was just so lovely. Also, the pizza mandala, so did... that's up there with, like, Alex Gray in my <laughs> book, man. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I do consider myself an artist in some ways. Um, I, I'm a very good graphic designer. I'm good with shapes and patterns. Um, I'm very good with composition. I, I'm, I'm a great photographer, I think, uh, which can you can see reflected in my product photography for the Gallery Society. Um, but I also do some freelance photography on the side, uh, which has a lot to do with, like you said, composition and colors. Um, uh, I love coloring the different variants for some of our designs and the relationships between colors and such. I think that I'm very good at uh, that. Um, but yeah, there's, I've just, a lot of those mandalas uh, were used. Uh, I used vectors that weren't mine that I didn't like create from scratch. Um, like the pizza one I did myself, but it's a very simple shape. Um, but some of the more the ones that feature more complex characters, that those weren't particular my particularly my hand drawn characters, right. um, which is okay, um, but not exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and but 
like you know, I I I think that you know some of the mandalas that I made were absolutely beautiful, and I I love you know what shines about them is the composition and stuff and the colors and stuff, which is great. Um, it's just the struggle of being an artist and wanting to have different skills than you you have, I guess, but also appreciating the skills that you have. I'm sure I'm not the only person who thinks that way, but I think it's like it's... a key <laughs> characteristic of every artist. <laughs> yeah. So this is a little bit of dissatisfaction and I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass, but I do have your Papadocio shirt. The eyes have eyes one, and it is one of my top three shirts that I like to wear. So, um, Oh, thank yeah. you. The color of the shirt too is also really nice. I like dark blue that's there. That's yeah, yeah. that's solid. Yeah. Nice. I think um like when I'm like looking at your art or your page, like something that has honestly always stuck with me is and I've like said it, like the quality of your branding and the consistency of your social media presence is something that's actually inspired me and in how I do my branding. And I don't have any of the same education, but like it's helped me like I've like had talks with other people who are starting a, a brand and I'm like looking at your stuff and I'm kind of like, well, he's doing something and, like it looks really good and consistent. So like it's honestly been like a really helpful guide for me in my own things. Like how did you learn how to social media brand? And like, is it kind of a natural thing or? I think naturally I want to share everything way too early because I get so excited about what I'm working at. And it definitely takes some restraint to not, you know, share something right away and to wait until it's refined and, and ready to be shared. Um, I, I really, I learned that from Russell, from Russell Tandy, my, uh, the co-founder of Tree Love and my roommate uh, throughout college, one of my best friends. Um, when we were working on Tree Love together, we would be planning an event and I would just want to like tell people right away, you know, who we booked because I was excited about it or whatever. And he was the one who told me, he was like, listen, don't like, you want it to be perfect before or as best as you, as you can do at that moment, you know, nothing's perfect, but as best as you can do with the time that you have, you, you, you wanted that to be that good before you release it out into the world, because in today's day and age and everybody, you know, has a very short attention span. And there's a lot of people that are posting different things and advertising different things. And you just want yours to stand out. And I think that the stuff that you put out there, it should reflect how much, heart you're putting into the project and how much you're willing to work at the project and how much you already have worked at the project so if you put something out there that looks like a sketch that you know looks like something that you haven't spent a lot of time on people are going to think less of your project than if you put something out there that looks like wow that looks amazing then they're going to take you much more seriously i think yeah uh, I found that especially to be true when we are advertising our events to sponsors. Um, that's always the hardest part about hosting an event is finding sponsors. Most of the times we don't have sponsors because it's, it's really hard to convince people to give you money uh, for an event. But at our most recent event at the Marvelous Art Emporium, I made sure to design a very beautiful uh, sponsor us PDF. And uh, I, we just spent a lot of time on, on making sure that every aspect of the event looked 
very professional. And because of that, we ended up covering the entire event with sponsor money. People, you know, saw it. They saw, you know, what we were presenting them to look professional. And then they knew that we were going to be taking this event seriously. And so they were more comfortable with sponsoring us. And then, yeah, thank you, Russell. Shout out to Russell for instilling that in me uh, to just, you know, make sure that you want your project, your project is done and ready to be shared uh, before putting it out there. (laughs) Yeah, I also want to give a shout out to Russell. I miss that dude. I haven't talked to him in years. He's just always a beam of light whenever I interacted with him. He is crushing it right now. He's out there in California doing, I think, everything that he's ever wanted to do, uh, shooting video uh, for huge companies and doing commercials for, like, Beyonce. He's, like, met Jay-Z. And just crazy stuff. Not that, you know, working with, you know, celebrities is super important in life, but the fact that he's out there working with these high-paying clients means that you know he's he's out there doing what he wants to do you know like that is awesome yeah it's like not the point but it kind of also shows that like he's obviously like balanced his environment enough to where he can handle that much energy coming in and out and you know i think it's a good representation of like he's living his best self you know i've always heard him saying that was his end plan was he wanted to be out in california shooting video you know with all the big time you know video producers and and working for you know huge clients yeah and to see him doing that is awesome yeah Yeah, i had no doubt i had no doubt like interacting with everybody going through the tree love days like yo everyone's gonna be super successful like we're all in college Mm -hmm. we're all getting educated we're all doing all these things yeah we're all crushing it yeah and i think that's kind of also what separated tree love and also i mean i actually haven't been to a gallery society event because we're on opposite sides of the state but it's always to me seemed like we don't have many yeah, especially not now. But um, yeah. I felt like everybody who was getting involved was kind of cut from a different cloth and that, like, there's a lot of festivals and stuff, and I'm not throwing shade at anybody, but there's a lot of people who, like, are, like, festival lifers, you know, to a degree that, like, they don't do a lot of other things. And it's like I've always enjoyed everyone I've interacted with through your platforms because everybody has passions and they're pursuing life goals. And there's just like a richness to everybody who seems to be interacting with you. And I don't know how you've created that, that portal for everybody. I'm not sure. I think that just at a core, I am attracted to passionate people Yeah. Um, because I'm a passionate person. And so when you live your life in a passionate way and you, you know, you put your heart into everything that you do, uh, you just tend to, you know, end up surrounding yourself with similar people. Yeah. I think it's in that way. You kind of get what you put out, you know, so that's probably, you know, like I don't really enjoy going out to a bar and having small talk with, you know, every weekend. I'd never do that. Yeah. Um, I might go out with some friends and enjoy talk with friends and stuff. Or uh, even like, you know, back in college when there was party days, you know, just going to parties all the time was just so mundane. You know, I'd rather go out and have a nice conversation with somebody, you know, and have, I used to say, I don't like having small talk. I only like having big talk. Yeah. Like, what are your inspirations? Like, what are you trying to do Yeah. to follow your dreams yeah. right now? 
you know. And I think it's it's talk like that that kind of creates those opportunities because then you can find something like, oh, you want to do that too? I also want to do that. And then that's kind of like what gestates new experiences. and um... Yeah, and facilitates some collaborations and, you know, you start working together, you realize, they realize, oh, they're interested in what I'm doing and, you know, vice versa. And that in itself is inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd say like if there were like three words that I would use to sum up you and like your brand and what you're doing, it's like collaboration, community, and art. (laughs) You know, so like collaboration has always been kind of like a key to what I would say would be your success, you know, and um, definitely. how have you utilized that in um, pre-COVID, but with the Gallery Society? Um, I know you said that you've done a few events um, and I, I've seen some of the stuff that you've done. Like you've worked with like cerebral concepts. You've been at Forest with that. Like who were the current like key players that you've been working with, I guess, pre-COVID? Um, yeah, uh, like teamwork and like working with other people, I think is just so important. I think there's this, it's like, a, you know, put out there into the world what you want in return. And, you know, if you want people to help you with your dream and to help, you know, build, you know, your vision, then you need to go out and help other people, you know, build their vision and build their dream. And in turn, that energy will come back and, and to you in the end. Um, it's not a selfish thing, but it's, it's something that, you, you, that, that I strongly believe in, you know, you give you give what you get and you get what you give yeah. um and so and not only that working with other people is so important for growth and for learning because you could be doing something you know your your way for so long and then you decide to team up with somebody else and realize that they're doing it in a totally different way that might end up working better for you and you know, you can learn from them and you can learn from each other. And I think that is super important. Uh, with that being said, I've always kind of seeked out help from anybody that I could uh, get help from. Any Anybody that I've looked up to or that is doing something that I thought was cool and they were willing to help me do it and I wanted to do it, then that I, I was always looking for stuff like that. Um, and so you said, who are some of the people that, you know, we've worked with a lot in the past. Cerebral Concepts is probably the main uh, company that we've worked with the most. Uh, Michael from Cerebral Concepts is just the most amazing dude in the world. He has been like a mentor uh, for me for so many years now. He's the one who got me into the vending community and world. Uh, I vended with him and his company, Cerebral Concepts, for the first time ever vending uh and he taught me uh, how to run the booth and so much more <laughs> um so we work with them a lot uh we work with Papadozio a lot as well because uh they are so awesome and their manager jacob is so awesome and he is super dedicated to working with uh, artists and fans and and also trying to spread this message that Papadozio is trying to spread obviously and that we felt that rewire 
and uh, so many other big names. And, you know, I, we kind of consider everyone that we work with, you know, big name. There's so many different artists that we work with. Uh, like you said, uh, like Chris Dyer has been a huge one. We've been working a lot with uh, John Speaker, worked with Mr. Melty, um, Maxwell Powers has been an amazing artist and we've been working with him on a lot of our artwork. Uh, just too many to count yeah. really. We're, we're pretty, uh, we, we, all, we constantly reach out to new artists as well and offer opportunities of collaboration, so. Yeah, and um, I've noticed you've done a lot of work with like pigeons playing ping pong too. Like you've had yes. a lot of stuff moving through with them that, how did you even like get connected with them? How did that work out? So I have a lot more stuff um, involved with their community there, uh, rather than officially through pigeons. There are a few times that we've worked with pigeons officially before and it's been awesome. But uh, the majority of our involvement has been within their community. They have a very solid community base um, that had a very active marketplace. Um, and we love pigeons. We attended many of their concerts uh, when concerts were still happening. What is concert? And <laughs> what is a concert? <laughs> yeah. um, and so being so involved in that community opened up a lot of opportunities for us to create merchandise uh, inspired by the band and the community. And we are very grateful for the flock, which is what the name for that community is. Um, because they definitely supported us a lot during the early stages of becoming a merchandising company. And if it wasn't for them, we would not be here uh, today, where we are right now. They were, and sometimes still are, some of our main customers uh, and community members. Yeah. Yeah, the um, the feather that you did, I, I think it's on like... It's on hats, shirts, pins. Um, it's got that nice, like light purple and the blue. Was that your uh, color scheme that the you picked? The pigeon up? feather. Yeah. I mean, yes, but it's also kind of based off of the colors of a pigeon. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, that's, yeah. So you take credit for that? But yeah, then? yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I invented the pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but there are, you know, a lot of different colors a lot of different purples and a lot of different greens that wouldn't necessarily look as good together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I chose those purples and greens. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Just own it. Just soak no. that up. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I also liked all the variants. Color's important. Yeah. And I think that that's also really cool thing is like all the variants you offer. Like I love it when like I see people geeking out, like I have almost the full set. Like that has to be a lot of fun yeah. to be able to see people consume your art like that you know and it's so fun and it, it's really fun to be able to engage in the community in that way and um yeah and like producing all those different variants it really you can make some that you know there are a lot of and then you can make other variants that there are very limited amount of mm -hmm. so seeing you know people try to get those rare ones uh is very exciting yeah and also, and it also, I'm sorry. Continue. Sorry, I said. Um, it also kind of opens up fun opportunities to get you know creative and think outside the box uh, when it comes to producing these pens, since there are so many different people that 
make pins and, and merchandise out of their artwork. Um, you had mentioned the pigeon feather and uh, that was a fun one because we always try to, like I said, experiment and think outside the box. And so with that one, we release them in packs of four because it's their band is called pigeons playing ping pong or P4. Oh, yeah. And so release them in packs of four for $25 a pack when normally one pin is like mm, between 15 or $20. So this is a deal on four pins for 25 bucks. And you're supposed to keep one or two and then give the other two away at a show. Oh my God. And nice. so it's like, that was, you know, how they were advertised and such. So even with our, you know, the merchandise that we're producing, we're trying to find these fun ways to use them for more than just being merchandise, you know, like give them to a friend, make a new friend or make someone's day. Uh, and yeah, so it's just been fun being able to experiment different variants and stuff and being able to um, work with those helped us get very creative. Yeah. I think it also adds a lot to the nature of like the brand. If people can interact with your goods in a way that isn't just like, I just bought this thing and added it to my cart. Like now they're going out into like spaces and like they're thinking about that product in a different way. And it becomes more than just a product. It's like an exercise in connecting with other people. And it just totally enhances and infuses in like your entire branding and like how do people interact with you, you know? And I just think that like, that is super inspirational. I think a lot of people would really benefit by having that kind of methodology in whatever they do. Like with this podcast, I have goals that are going to be like, okay, now we're going to get you into your body. So it's like interacting with a brand through as many different ways as possible. So you form your own relationship with it and then you feel connected and you feel like, oh man, I really want to support this because I feel like I'm a part of it, you know? And, whether or not that's your intention, but like I could totally see it. It's a great symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Yep. There, yep. you know, um, and it, it, I think it kind of goes plays back into, you know, treat others how you want to be treated, and you know, put out into the world what you want to receive. You know, the more intention that you put out and and towards you know the community and your brand, the more that um, that community will reciprocate and uh, be a part of. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Everybody wants to get involved. And like, that was something I noticed with tree love is like, I didn't really have any discernible skills at the time. I didn't run music or anything, but I like, I just showed up. I'm like, dude, what can I do? And you're like, the, the, the vibe that I got was like, just do what you got to offer, you know? And, like, <laughs> but just like giving people ways to plug into what you're doing, it just, it completely changes the relationship. You're not a purveyor of goods. You're a person on their level. That's like, we're collaborating even by purchasing this you're a, you're a collaborator you know and it's just like oh my god that's like commerce of the next century you know <laughs> yeah yeah it was um like i said especially back in the tree love days that was really made possible because so many people like you were so willing to help and i think everybody does want to help and it, it's hard to find opportunities uh, sometimes to get involved in the things that you want to get involved in. Um, and the, I'm very happy that we were able to provide those opportunities with people for people back then. And we're still constantly trying to figure out new ways to uh, provide those opportunities for people to be involved. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think um, <clears throat> something I've appreciated this year is like, I've been noticing your collaboration with J Rose, who's a mutual homie and like, Mm -hmm. I, I got a lot of love for him. His He's just such a light in the world. And like seeing you two, like as soon as I saw you guys working together, I'm like, 
oh, that was something that needed to happen. And that was your uh, last <laughs> event, right, before COVID? Yes. Uh, yeah. I take on a lot of passion projects. And like sometimes when I see somebody that is just killing it right now, I just can't help myself but just offer, like, how can I help? Like, what can I do? Um, and a lot of times with when it comes to artists and musicians, especially local ones, even if they have so much talent, it's hard for them to build a brand around themselves while focusing on the music and with them not having any prior experience building a brand, maybe they're very good at music, you know, but they don't have any experience on building a successful brand. And if you're going to be a musician, you know, your, you know, your name or whatever your musician, your band name is, that's your brand. Mm -hmm. And um, I have some graphic design and marketing skills. And so sometimes I just have to help how I can. And uh, J Rose, I, actually saw him for the first time performing open mic at my parents' uh, restaurant at their open mic night. What? That's wild. Yeah. What? <laughs> my cousins are also musicians, and uh, they host the open mic night, and they knew J. Rose before me, uh, and I went there, and he started you know, playing. He does awesome vocal looping and beatboxing, and I kind of just like turned around, and I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. It's like, and how come I don't know who he is? Because this this sounds way too good to for me not to know who this is. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just sounds so good. I thought I would have known because I've been so involved in the music community for so many years around the, that area. And eventually I just kind of got to know him more. And I was just, I just loved his music so much that I wanted to help. <laughs> Yeah, his vibe is so good. Like, as soon as he, like, starts his thing, like, the space is just like, oh, what the heck are you, what? Like, he's, yeah, he's gonna... Yeah, he is extremely talented. I think he's going to go far. I really do. And Definitely. I thought of the analogy um, in you saying that, like, you, you see people that you want to help because you believe in what they're doing, and it's kind of almost like they got a car full of groceries or the goods, but the car doesn't have wheels, and then you come in with the graphic design and the push and um, everything that you come with. And it's like you put wheels on their car and like help them get those groceries to where they need to go. Mm -hmm. You know, I just think that that yeah. is an often overlooked role in people's success. You mm -hmm. know, there was a documentary on the Grateful Dead, but it was focused on Bob Weir, who he's like, he's not Jerry Garcia. So like he had fans, but like he was always like the second, but he was actually one of the most important aspects of the dead. So just that idea of like, like the Sam Ganji, you know, the one who helped Frodo. Frodo's the main character, but it's the people who mm -hmm. help them that are actually the the heart of the story, you know? And Definitely. I think, yeah, and artists, and especially, you know, musicians and artists, they're both artists, but... Um, Sometimes, you know, to, I think, to become so good at what they do, they really have to focus, you know, and hone in on those skills. And sometimes there isn't enough mental space to focus on other aspects like building the brand. Yeah. And, you know, it, like you said, it's, it's important. Those people are important, but um, really it's, it's just all about, you know, teamwork and helping each other out and, People deserve to know him. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Those of you listening, J Rose, I'm telling you, he's probably going to be on the Shout show. Shout out to J Rose. But yeah, he doesn't know that yet. But I, I decided it a little bit ago. I'm like, he's he would be a great podcast. He's yeah. a great 
talker yeah speaker he's yeah. a great speaker yeah yeah we always have good riffs he's one of those everyone from like the nonsense night community i always end up just getting along with really well that's where i first heard him was actually a couple of years ago um i was good friends with zach winchester and uh he yeah. just crossed paths and um, another very open welcoming community yeah uh, when i moved to metro detroit nonsense night was the thing that reminded me the most of tree love mm-hmm. uh and it was awesome to be able to you know dive right into that community which i did too yeah it's such a it's 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 like kind of like how tree love was but it's got this like air of like slight danger there's just some sort of like mystery to it that's just like integral to what it is you know but it's like that little that mm-hmm. element that that secret sauce is just so fun. To yeah. The difference, the big difference was tree love. We wanted to be very organized. Yeah. Um, and you know that it was important for us to just be as organized as we possibly can. And that's how we went about it. And nonsense night was more focused on just nonsense. Yeah. Like not like, like, it's all just very nonsensical. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to yeah. put it. They have like a skeleton of organization, but then everything else is just spontaneity and just randomness. And like, that's what it is, you know? Yeah. Which was beautiful. And it, it sparked some amazing times and they had some crazy events like bubbles versus sparklers yeah. where like people were encouraged to either bring bubbles or a sparkler and I don't know, they had a battle or something. Yeah. It was wild. <laughs> they had the uh, ice cream funeral parlor where they filled a casket full of ice cream. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's kind of like an offshoot of like Burning Man kind of culture, but it definitely had its own twist, you know? It was definitely... Um, yes. Yeah. I, I liked the uh, the self-generating um, novelty of it. You know, it wasn't because the organizers were planting these seeds. It's like they created something and you show up with your weirdness and then get to explore each other's weirdness yes it's the people that show up that really make the event what it is yeah which is similar to all the stuff that you do you know and have done it's like so much of it is and i've even thought about this i've thought about with papadocio because i'm kind of connected to some of the band members and i wonder how much they associate themselves with the um the experience of Papadocio because it's like it's actually a lot of it is the crowd it's like a 50 50 split if not 70 30 like the band brings everybody together but our association of what Papadocio events are is actually us you know it's the love that we're bringing totally. you know and same thing with like, I think any- that also like so many things can go back to you know what you put out in the world is what you get I think that the fans that show up to the Papadocio events um, are attracted to it because of, you know, the energy that Papadocio puts into their music and their events. So maybe they don't, I, I would like to know, you know, how much they associate themselves with spreading that energy. But I can imagine that, um, I mean, they, that, that's just the energy that they put into, you know, their music and all the projects that they are a part of and in return, you know, attracts similar energy to their shows yeah i mean when you're blasting out frequencies of like self-exploration and love and like community like you're gonna get all of those things <laughs> you know exactly yeah. um so what what are we doing going forward with the gallery society i mean right now we're in a very precarious time where everything is uncertain but like 
yeah. based on where we're at now, knowing that things are uncertain, how are you preparing your future? Like, I mean, there's only so much you can do, but what is your ultimate goal of what the gallery society will be? Good question. Uh, so our ultimate goal hasn't changed too much. Um, we're hoping that, uh, you know, this whole pandemic situation isn't permanent. Uh, it, it definitely postponed some plans, uh, but they're generally the same. I think that the, a perfect end game, well, a perfect long-term plan for now for the Gallery Society would be to open up some sort of physical art gallery, because right now our gallery is pretty much all virtual online. Uh, we would like to open up a physical art gallery, which gives us a location to host uh, community events and further cultivate a community in the area around the art and the music that we work with. Um, and then attached to this gallery would be some warehouse space where we could store all of our clients' merchandise and uh, help fulfill their orders. And uh, what I mean by that is we're kind of so the Gallery Society right now is kind of two main things. One of them is our own personal merchandise line uh, where we collaborate with artists all over the country now and uh, to produce items of merchandise to sell and release on our merchandise line. And then the other uh, pillar of the Gallery Society are our client services. So we are working towards well not as much now because of the pandemic and a lot of our clients are musicians and, and, and artists who are have been greatly affected by the pandemic musicians not being able to have any shows and just it's just been not great for them yeah. but when all this pandemic stuff is hopefully over and things return back to a new normal um we hope to start getting more clients uh, uh, for basically we would run the merchandise side of their brand. Uh, we would host their online website. We would facilitate the collaborations between artists for their uh, new merchandise lines. And we can provide an array of merchandise options for them and just kind of uh, manage that whole process. Uh, and so this is particularly helpful for touring musicians uh, who are always on the road, but also want to maintain an online store and uh, new merchandise releases and such. So we would be able to drop ship all that for them and store all their merchandise at our facility and uh, yeah, fulfill all their daily orders while also, you know, connecting them to the artists and making sure that all runs smoothly. Wow. And so that would be a service where they would probably pay us monthly and we would provide, you know, the service for them. And um, I think that would really help. That's a very scalable thing mm -hmm. uh, for us. And so that will help us get a little bit more, um, it would just help us grow as a company and be able to grow. Yeah. That is a seriously helpful service. Like I know a lot of musicians who like want to make that leap, but like, it's a lot of work to manage an online store and like, 
keep up to date on all that back-ended stuff. And again, I'm going to the analogy, like you're helping put wheels on people's cars, you know, you're helping move their stuff. Like, dang, dude, I didn't, I honestly didn't know that that's where you were planning on taking it, but that's, that's a good service. Dang. Yeah. And then like along with, you know, helping out with, um, their merchandise, we would provide some graphic design services to help them promote such merchandise and, and so on and so forth. And so it would be really nice to eventually have a gallery area and be able to manage that while also managing our clients uh, out of a little warehouse in the back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if there's uh, some musicians right now listening to this who are ready to take that leap, are these essentially all services that you're currently already working with people on? Yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, before um, the whole pandemic hit, we had three full-time clients and everything was running very smoothly. Um, but as everybody stopped touring, uh, they were all musicians. Uh, as everybody stopped touring, um, there was just less money in the budget for things like that. Yeah. And so things have slowed down a little bit. Um, and then we've, we've kind of shifted more towards focusing on our uh, personal merchandise line while all of that has been happening. And then, uh, you know, we'll shift gears again uh, when the time's appropriate. Yeah, that makes sense. So for those who are listening, how can they support you and make sure that this dream actually comes to fruition? I mean, it already is, but like, how can people show up and plug in? I guess there's so many different ways that you could help support. Um, purchasing anything from our online store is a huge support to not only us, but the artists that we work with. Uh, every single thing that is listed in our store is a collaboration with an artist. And, uh, you know, part of that purchase does go to them. And so you're putting money in their pockets. Um, also, just spreading awareness is huge, especially over social media these days when uh, Facebook and Instagram are making it so hard for our followers to see what we post. Uh, I try to share um, artwork daily off of our Facebook account and our Instagram account, sometimes just every other day because it's hard to keep up with. But uh, we always feature different artists and we link to their page and such. Sharing those posts, commenting on those posts helps us uh, get a, a larger reach. And that's all very important. It might seem, you know, mundane, but just a quick little, you know, comment post goes a long way. Do you know, like, the um, science behind that algorithm? Because I'm honestly confused myself. <laughs> I think it's, it's... I mean, I think it's constantly changing, and I think they're probably paying, like, people a lot of money to make it complicated. And I think people always know what they should or shouldn't do. I'm sure there's, there's some things that are better than others, like uh, when you post something and you're redirecting the people to an outside link. Like if you were to post a, a link to YouTube on Facebook, that post would get less reach to whereas if you weren't posting to an outside Facebook source. Mm, they want to keep people in the circle of Facebook. There's Yeah, I think there's certain things like that that you could probably read up on. And there's probably some articles online that kind of go into it. I also think it's constantly changing yeah. as their, their team is updating stuff and making it more monetized. 
I actually so, think that there's people who make a living helping you with social media branding. Like that's all they do is like keep up I'm to sure. date on the algorithm. And it's a weird, it's crazy. It's a weird job role that just came out of nowhere. Yeah. I think it's honestly like the downfall of Facebook is the fact that they're like tinkering so much with the content that you're getting. Like I followed you. So I want to see your stuff. Like that's why I'm using this service. And now I'm not seeing every update, even though that's what I want to see. It's really annoying. If only there was a competitor that could come out and really stand up against to Facebook because you're so right. I think it used to be a lot more, you know, user friendly for when, when it comes to, you know, to that you get to see what the people post who you follow like the people who you follow you see what they post as opposed yeah. to now we'll post something and I'll, even though we have six thousand followers it'll even tell me at the bottom like 40 people post reach yeah i'm just like okay well <laughs> i'm missing a lot there's six thousand people yeah. yeah that say they want to see this yeah so but you can spend money to promote it to more people and yeah. it's like uh okay i get it yep I know, I don't remember the name of it, but I know that there's a social media platform that pays you based on the interactions that you get, and it actually tries to, like, get your content out. I don't remember what it is, though, so it's definitely one of, like, the more underground ones, but you end up, I think it adds to, like, your crypto wallet or something of that nature. It's completely, like, decentralized in that way, um, and I know MeWe is something our mutual friend Tony Guerin has been talking about a lot. Um, yeah, I haven't looked I've into seen it, that. but, um, I don't know. I'm almost maybe a little cynical. I feel like Facebook is such a monolithic structure at this point. It's like, it's where all the eyes are, you know, even if they're not on your site particularly, it's like, how do we nudge people away when that's where everybody is? You know, now they own Instagram yeah. too. So it's just like, there's almost this monopoly on people's attention and it's just like, how do we fight that? Oh my God. Yeah, it's a struggle. I try to stay off social media as much as possible, but at the same time, it's very vital to my business. Yeah, that's the same spot I was into. I was like, I want to get off, but I'm starting a podcast. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Gordy, I think that this is a uh, pretty good natural bookend. Um, thank you so much for uh, coming on and talking about all the things. This has been really good. Yes, thank you so much. Like I said, this is my first podcast, and I've actually had anxiety doing these before. Um, I've never really considered myself a quality public speaker, uh, but this has been a great experience for me, and uh, like I said, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Um, I think you have a lot to offer. And I honestly, as, as a thing, like I do think you're a pretty good public speaker. I mean, it, <laughs> I've definitely had to go through it myself in terms of like finding my voice and I'm still definitely doing it. But having the comfort to be like, I don't know where that was going. I think if you embody that, if you really em empower that, then like you're just being you authentic. And like, that's what people, you know. Yep. Yep. That's what I've learned to do. <laughs> yeah. Just very authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, where can people find you? How? What's your website? What's your all that stuff? It'll be in the description, but I just like to give. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, you can find us at thegallerysociety.com and uh, The Gallery Society on Facebook. It's just facebook.com slash The Gallery Society. And the same thing on Instagram. We try to keep everything very um, connected. Yeah. 
and similar when it comes to that kind of stuff. So it's easy to find us. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and I suggest everybody listening. I mean, even if you don't have intention of like buying anything, you should. But like just seeing your branding and stuff is it's worth it. Like everything is very clean together and it's just like dang, it's crisp. <laughs> so Thank you. I'm gonna leave I it. I appreciate at that. that so much. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um so yeah, thank you for joining me. I will talk to you very soon, man. I'll talk to you soon. Hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. Stay safe. All right, my friends, that was a wrap on the episode. I hope you enjoyed listening in and uh, got some insight into your own projects or maybe even have a new resource to tap in to help take your marketing to the next step. I will honestly probably be utilizing uh, Gordy's services in the next couple of years here, so be on the lookout of that. Maybe not too immediately. Like, Don't hold your breath or anything, but be on the lookout. Uh, yeah, so going forward, you know, uh, we got a lot we got a lot going on. Um, I actually just had the uh, idea not too long ago. I'm going to open up a hotline probably through Gmail and um, allow you guys to reach out to me and give me feedback. Um, if there's something that you're noticing that I'm not getting every episode, you're like, I really like these conversations, but he sounds like, but, or anything like that. Just, uh, yeah, you'll be able to let me know. You'll be able to suggest guests, or if you want to come on, you have something that you want to talk about that you think is relevant to the show. Um, be on the lookout probably next week I'll probably open that up um, like I said I'm, I don't know why I'm thinking in chunks of 10 so uh, yeah next 10 episodes there'll be sweeping changes and uh, 10 after that just because I have my own practice going on this is a side side thing right now uh, but yeah thank you guys so much for listening we will see you next week at the same time